Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Are you ready for today? Because I'm not sure if I am. I'm just kidding. No, uh, we are... We are uh, continuing, we're in the second leg of our series forward, um, because what got us there, got us here, won't get us there, right? What got us here won't get us there, and God's got something greater there than where we are here. So that's why we want to move forward. And so today, uh, there are going to be lots of scriptures. Uh, we're not going to sit in one place. We're going to kind of go throughout the, the entirety of the Bible, um, and so I would encourage you right now um, to get out a pen uh, and paper or take out your phone and take a lot of notes you can take pictures whatever you want to do but I would just encourage you to follow along that way because there's a lot of text that we're going to get into today Um, because we're going to talk about thinking forward again what what got us here won't get us there so I've got to ask have you ever put any mental image or energy into how you think have you ever thought about how you think or why you think the way you think or why you quickly come to conclusions the way you come to conclusions and you're probably thinking right now the pastor's off his rocker well that's definitely in deliberation Um, but today is about thinking about how you think and why you think the way you think because scripture is very clear proverbs 23 7 says for as he thinks in his heart so is he or as a person as a teenager as a kid as an adult as a human being thinks in his heart so is that person in fact jesus says and encourages us us encourages us us us. that's how you say it encourages us us. yes Uh, he summed up the law and the prophets by saying love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and yeah with all your mind in order for you to love God with your whole self the hokey pokey throw your whole self in yeah We've got to learn to love the Lord our God with our mind. Paul, if you're not familiar with the Apostle Paul, Paul was a Christian killer, a persecutor, vehement persecutor of people who believed in Jesus, and the Lord transformed his life, transformed his heart and his mind, who actually became a disciple maker, a church planter, a prisoner for Christ, and a martyr for Christ. God transformed him. And he wrote this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, 
to offer yourself as living sacrifices. And for, in order for us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to the Lord our God, he says, don't conform yourself to the patterns of the world. Don't just pick up your feet in the stream and keep going with the rest of the crew. But he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not only was he a church planner and, 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 and a discipleship maker or a disciple maker, he was also a cognitive behavioral therapist. I I'm really believe that. Craig Rochelle of Life Church actually summed all this up. And what he said was that our lives move into the direction of our strongest thoughts. Your life moves into the direction of your strongest thoughts meaning where your mind goes you go where your attention is focused there your heart will be your behavior starts in your mind we move into the direction of our strongest thoughts. This is why it's so, so important. Whether you are in your 80s, or you are in your teens, or whether you are a kid, that we actually put some mental energy into thinking about how we think and why we think the way we think what has driven us in our minds to act the way we act, to do what we do. So I want to be very clear here. There are a lot of materials out there, whether you're in the self-help section, in the psychology section, the social work section, or even the Christian section, that talk about the mind, the heart, choices, choosing future, um, behaviors, how they're all interconnected, neuroscience. Um, we need to understand, like we said last time, futures are created by our future choices. And, and in order for us to know that, um, we need to make, we need to think forward. And those resources are out there. These are eight resources that I would highly encourage you. Um, you can listen to this for free on the Libby app if you have a library card. Um, but these resources I've come along in the last two years, I've either ingested them wholly or, or partially or almost all the way wholly, and I would encourage you to take a look at these. So uh, Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Rochelle is both biblical and practical. He gets to the root of things. Um, Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen is, again, very biblical and practical, and this is geared towards women, but I can tell you by listening to three quarters of this book, the practicality applies to all of us, not just the ladies. Um, and the switch on your brain is not only biblical, but also dives real deep into neuroscience and brings you to surface. Um, a lot of what we're hearing today, a lot of where we're sitting today is where I've been sitting for the last two years. And honestly, a lot of my life um, and I would say a lot of what we're hearing today is coming out of some of these resources. And so I would just highly encourage you, you can take a picture of this. I'm going to bring this back up as we move forward towards the end of this morning. But for us to think forward, we need to begin to choose forward. 
And we can't choose for it until we think for it, until we think about how we think, right? So we're going to hit right now with Paul. He brings a very practical step. Today is a lot of practicality, folks. This apostle Paul, in writing um, to the church of Philippi, um, to the city, uh, the church in the city of Philippi, I was processing this series and this sermon particularly, and I couldn't get this scripture out of my head. Uh, Philippians three twelve through 14. And the context is Paul is really trying to live the upward calling in his life. What grabbed a hold of Paul? The calling that Christ had on him. He wanted to live that upward call. He wanted to connect with Christ and, and fellowship with his sufferings and the cross and the resurrection. And he came to this point and I'll focus in on verse 13 and 14. But one thing I do, action step. One thing I do, action step. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal, toward the upward calling, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And I got really curious about this verse. And so I did a little Bible nerd stuff and this is not to impress you, but this is to imprint truth on your life. That scripture, verse 13, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, literally means, but one thing I do, to lose out of mind, to lose out of mind things behind, and reaching forward, there it is, reaching forward to the things ahead. Paul understood to think forward, to choose future, and to think future. We actually have to lose things out of mind. In order for us to go forward, there are things that we have to get rid of in our mind. What are those things? I'm so glad you asked. You're very inquisitive people. I love it. Those things that we have to lose out of mind are lies. Lies that actually we believe to be true. Think about that for a second. If you and I believe a lie as if the lie is true, then the reality around us we're actually filtering the reality through that lie. We're making choices and decisions based on lies. We're going to see how this plays out in just a few minutes. But for, first, we've got to focus just for a brief moment on the source of lies. There are two great sources of lies in our life. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you this week in the last seven days, if you're brave and courageous, how many of you lied to someone? <laughs> wow, thank you for being honest. Whew. Wow. Uh, okay, so we did have a show of hands with that. That's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, so how many of you who didn't raise your hand just lied in church? 
Let me just tell you, even your pastor lied this week. Why? Who do you talk to the most in your life? Say, me. You talk to you more than anyone else talks to you in your life, other than the Lord, right? There is a conversation between your ears that happens almost 24 hours a day, even when you are unconscious during the sermon. Yes. I mean, asleep at night, right? You lie to you more than anyone. That is why we have words such as justify and rationalize because we justify our actions and rationalize our behaviors because we have twisted things in our mind and lied to ourselves saying it's okay. So how many of you have lied in the last seven days? All of us, yes, all of you. I don't know why I'm happy about that. I really don't, I'm sorry. Probably like, man, I'm never coming back to this place, to this crazy crew of people again. You are one of the great sources of lies in your life. You. You are. It's unfortunate, but that is true. The other great source, or not so great source, is the author of lies. We are in church, we believe in Jesus Christ, we follow the Lord our God. We understand through the scriptures that there is an enemy out there. In fact, Jesus says in a conversation with Pharisees and Sadducees, we don't need to get into that whole jazz there, but basically he, he called them out very harshly and said, you belong to your father. Now, I'm not saying this to you, okay? I'm just reading the text, John 8, and John 10, 10. In this conversation, he said, you, you don't belong to Abraham. You actually belong to your father, who is the devil. And he says, you want to carry out your father's desire. And then we, he starts to actually give us some information about the enemy, about the devil. And he said, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. Therefore, if he's not holding to the truth, he's actually lying. He says, when he lies, when the devil lies... He actually is speaking his native tongue, his native language. That is what he speaks. For he's a liar and the father of lies. And then in John 10.10, he says that the thief, the enemy, the devil, actually comes to only steal and kill and destroy. So bottom line here, you are a great source of lies in your own life. And so is the enemy. So is the devil. And he has the objective, one. His objective is to steal, kill, and destroy. He does not want to bring life into you. And his major, his weapon or his MO has always been since Genesis 3 are lies, deceptions, falsehoods, twisting. The two great sources of our life. Me, you, and the devil. And lies do not bring life. Jesus himself is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the author of life. And so he wants to impart life into you. But there's a problem 
if we're filtering our life through lies that we believe to be true. That's a problem. So let's see how this plays out, shall we? The master escape artist, Harry Houdini. He would travel from town to town for show to show. And in the towns, if they had a local jail, which most towns did at the time, why? Because we lie to ourselves, right? Um, It's a great deceiver. Uh, Because he would bring some hype to the show by going into the local jails and actually escaping from the jail cell. And so one jailer in one particular city caught on and was prepared for Harry Houdini. And so when Houdini came in and got into the jail, the jailer, deceivingly, turned the key the wrong way. And then Harry began to do his routine and try to escape the jail. All the while, every time he tried to escape, he actually locked himself in the jail. And at one point, he just conceded to the fact, I can't get out. And that's when the jailer revealed the deception. You actually weren't locked in the jail at all. You were free. You just kept locking yourself in the jail, right? This is how lies in our life that we believe to be true impact the way we perceive, the way we choose, the way we decide, and the actions as a result of that lie. We're under a false reality. And we're filtering reality through a false reality. Make sense? Well, let me tell you how this kind of plays out in my life. One, we've got to identify the lie, okay? You've got to identify the lie or the lies in your life, right? Because if you can't identify the lie, if you do not confront what is there, and if you do not define what is there, then you cannot be victorious. You cannot be transformed. So we have to identify the lies in our life that have played out as if they were true. The Lord searches the mind. Jeremiah 17.10. Excuse me, we'll get to how it plays out in life here in a moment. But the Lord is the one who examines the heart and the mind. And so if you're not really sure what lies are being told in your life that you're believing is to be true. One of the ways to identify them is to ask the Lord, our God, what lies are hiding in darkness in my life? What needs to be brought into the light and identified as a falsehood, as a deception? Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Meaning, your motives, your intent, your heart, and yes, that conversation that's between your ears and what you filter life through. 
It's not hidden from the Lord. And the Lord our God can reveal that through his spirit in yours. Remember how I said there's a conversation also between you and the Lord. God's speaking into your life more than you know. It's time that we begin to have a conversation asking him, what are those things that are in the darkness of my life that need to come into light? Ask the Lord to reveal it, then write them down. What are some questions that are actually, that you can ask yourself? There are a lot of questions that you can ask yourself to kind of unearth and to bring out these lies. So, here are a few. Are there any negative or mean phrases that seem to repeat in your mind? Is there any particular voice that you hear with a a particular phrase over and over and over in your mind? What do you say to yourself about yourself? What do you think about you? Especially in moments where you're trying to do something much greater than you've already done in your life. What negative things do you think about you? Or what negative things do you hear other people saying about you or yourself? Do you believe yourself to be a victim? Do you believe yourself to be the favorite? I know there are a lot of favorites in here, right? Do you believe yourself to be the favorite? Or actually, do you believe yourself to be the scapegoat and the forgotten, the left behind? Are there any fears in your life that you filter choices through? Some of the greatest tools that you can use to identify lies are ask yourself questions and seek the answers to those questions and ask the Lord those same questions. God, what are those things that I'm believing in my life that are falsehoods that I'm believing is true that I've been filtering my whole life through? Personally, we've got to remove the lie and replace it with truth. When you identify the lie, you have to remove the lie and replace it with truth, right? I can't help but think about Gideon. As I was processing this, Gideon just continued to come up. If you're not familiar with the story of Gideon, it's out of the book of Judges, front end of the Bible, Judges chapter six. It's during a time when the Israelites were being oppressed. They were being oppressed by ancient Near Eastern peoples, particularly Midianites. And this was a time where there was no spiritual leadership in the country, in the people, and there was no government or military leadership, and God would rise up judges, whether they were spiritual leaders or warriors. And this is a time where the oppression was so bad that the Israelites actually found themselves to be living in caves and clefts of rocks away from the valleys. And the angel of the Lord came to Gideon, this guy who was hiding out in a wine press, threshing wheat. And the angel of the Lord called Gideon. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And as you can probably tell, Gideon's going, are you kidding me? Look around. Look at my circumstances. The Lord is nowhere near us. I feel like he's abandoned us. He's abandoned our people. Where is he? And the angel of the Lord 
was calling Gideon up. You are now enlisted to be the warrior to go out and defeat the Midianites. And Gideon believed himself to be the weakest, from the weakest clan, the weakest tribe and the weakest clan and his family to be the least in his clan. Essentially, he believed himself to be the weakest of the weak of the weak, the lowest of the low. When it comes to rank and file, he's rank and he's vile. He can't do it. But the angel of the Lord called him out and says, go in the strength that you have. You already have it. Just go in the strength that you have and the Lord is with you. Well, the Lord understood very clearly truth and lies don't belong in the same place, in the same space. They should not occupy the same space, right? But before Gideon could become that mighty warrior, he actually had to do something. So what he decided to do, because he was face-to-face with an angel of the Lord, he decided to build an altar to God, the Lord of peace. But God said, hey, and this is Judges 6, 25 through 26. So the same night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down and offer the second bull of sacrifice. Here's the deal. The Lord, again, understands that truth and lies should not occupy occupy the same space. Gideon and his people have been living under the shadow of these altars to Baal and the Asherah pole. Baal and Asherah are false gods. Essentially, his whole family and his whole clan have been living under the shadow of a lie this whole time. In fact, Gideon and his whole clan and his family have been worshiping this lie the whole time. Living their lives based on the lie. Lies and truth should not occupy the same space. In order for Gideon to move forward as warrior, as leader, as what he is called to, his upward calling, God said, hey, tear it down. Destroy it. You've got to remove the lie that is towering over you, that you literally are worshiping. A lie that you're deceived into believing is the very truth of your life. Again, this is why it's so important to think about how we think. There may be lies in our life that we've been worshiping as truth. Take down the altar. Take down the altar. You've got to remove the lie. So, how do we remove the lie? Paul says this, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. Remember, the enemy's MO, his major weapon is lies. Our weapons are different. We're not with ballistic missiles and hazmat suits, right? It's not chemical warfare. 
No, on the contrary. Our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds and arguments. Lies are strongholds. Lies are arguments that we have come to believe and fall in line with. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. How do we do that? What do we use? What is our weapon? What is our MO? Well, Paul says it in 1 Timothy. He says, all scripture is God-breathed, is inspired by God. What he means is, literally, the breath of God is in the Bible. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12, for the word is living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. Man, it can split soul and spirit, joint and marrow. Oh, and it judges, it judges attitudes and thoughts. When Paul said that God's word is God-breathed, he literally was looking all the way back to Genesis 2. When God formed Adam out of his own hands and breathed his breath of life into Adam. And Adam became a living being. He literally was looking back to Ezekiel chapter 37 with the valley of dry bones. And Ezekiel prophesied to those dry bones and there was a rattle and a hum and they came together. And then the Lord said, prophesy to the breath. And they became living beings. Paul was looking back to the moment that Jesus Christ on Resurrection Sunday, on that evening, came into that room with ten disciples in their fear. And he said, peace be with you. And he breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit folks the word of God is what demolishes the strongholds in our life it unearths the lies it it brings light to the lies and it destroys them Jesus in his prayer for us and his disciples said sanctify sanctify them cleanse them purify them make them holy by the truth your word is truth folks the word of God demolishes the lies that we believe to be as true this is how it played out in my life I had several lies that I believed as a kid and even as a young adult one of those was I'm not good enough why because somewhere along the way in my childhood I got made fun of a lot I had a huge nose. You can see the profile. It's the Ambrose nose. I'm telling you. And big ears. And then they would move to my pale, skinny body. At some point, I believed that I was not good enough. And the lie that I told myself was, I'm not good enough and I don't belong. Because let me just tell you, if you believe either I'm not good enough, somewhere in the room... Look around because I don't belong is not far behind. It's right there. They occupy the same room, right? And as a result, my behavior became people-pleasing. 
If I'm not good enough and I don't belong, guess what? I got to people please, so I feel like I'm good enough and I feel like I belong. So let everybody else walk all over you. You feel like you belong. I was a people pleaser. I, I've, heard, I've said it here before. I'm a recovering people pleaser. And so the lie is I'm not good enough. But the truth says, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. Meaning, who you are is quite enough. My grace is much more than that. I don't belong. Truth is, it says in John 1.12, yet to all who received him, who received Christ, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Guess what? When you have Christ in your life, Dude, there is a giant family of faith that you belong to. And it's not just here at Wapak Naz, man. It's the ecumenical church. It is Harvest Baptist. It is Wapak Church. Right? It's the church in Cuba. It's the church in Honduras. It's the church in the Middle East, in Jordan, in Israel, in China. South Africa, Malawi, the kingdom of God all the way through time. You belong to something much greater because you're a child of God. You can just come up and say, hey, Dad, I need to just sit in your lap. Okay. When you meet a brother and sister in Christ all the way across the world, there is just something that no one else has. It's the bond of Jesus Christ. I'm not smart enough. That was a lie that I believed. Somewhere along the way, I felt like I wasn't smart enough, that I was not competent, that I was inadequate. It played into my reading comprehension, played into my writing skills. I mean, I literally, the, the uh, AGT, or the OGTs, the Ohio Graduate and Testing, that was way back in the 90s, I failed my sophomore year in the writing comprehension and the reading comprehension. My junior year, I, I find, somehow I, I, I did the reading comprehension, but I, in my writing, I literally stared at a, at a blank page for two and a half hours. I crumpled up the paper, threw it out, walked out of the room. I struggled because I felt like I wasn't smart enough. The scripture says, but we, we have the mind of Christ. The lies that we believe to be true play out in our life. But the scripture, the truth, counteracts that, destroys that. We gotta personalize these truths. We gotta make them ours, right? We gotta make them ours. First grade, I was pulled out of class every week to go to speech therapy. Because I, I couldn't say particular words that had particular sounds. So I went into the skinny little room with a speech pathologist every week. I was pulled out of class, very embarrassed. And I began to believe that since I couldn't say words correctly, I didn't have anything to say and no one would listen anyways. Isn't it ironic that I'm standing before you and speaking? Right, right? Weird. 
my life's weird. Not my wife, my life. I love you, babe. <laughs> we gotta personalize truths. We gotta make it our own. The truths of scripture. We make it our own, right? Because it speaks to all of us. It, speak to, it speaks to us as the church, but it speaks to us as individuals directly into our heart. It's alive, it's active. It can do some work that you can't do yourself. It has power that you do not possess yourself because the spirit of God is in it. Jesus is the word. Oh, it all works together. Man, it's awesome. He's the author of life, and he can rewrite. He can rewrite it in your mind. The lie. I don't belong. I'm not good enough. I have nothing to say. No one else will live, listen. The, the behavior, people-pleasing. Man, Paul's great because he talks a lot about pleasing God and not people. And he says in 1 Thessalonians 2.4, he says, we're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. And I personalize it. Personalize it. I wrote, wrote this in my journal a couple years ago. And I try to say it once a week at least, if not daily. I'm a world changer, changing my world one square foot at a time, one person at a time. I'm pleasing God, and pleasing God doesn't necessarily please people. Hear that, church, right? The lies I believe, they moved into my behavior, and they moved into my decision-making, they moved into my social culture, they moved into my mindset, and the truth of God, by the grace of God, by the word of God, by Jesus Christ, changing my mind and renewing my mind and changing my identity. Folks, I'm not sharing these just ethereally. It's practical. It can happen in your heart and in your mind and in your life. Paul knew what he was talking about when he said, don't be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Shift it. It can be done. Neuroscience is literally catching up with what Scripture has said because you truly can create new neuronal pathways in your brain. His mercies are new every morning. So are neurons. So is your brain. So let's switch on our brain. Identify the lie. Very practical. Call it out. It's hiding wherever it's hiding. Call it out. Shine some light on it. Write it down. Ask the Lord to reveal it to you. Ask yourself some questions. Begin to think on how you think and why you think the way you think. Once it's identified, remove the lie. Be a Gideon. Be a mighty warrior. Tear it down. Destroy it. But if you destroy it, you've got to replace it. Otherwise, you'll rebuild it. You've got to replace it. Otherwise, you'll rebuild it. And it will become stronger and stronger if you rebuild it. Replace it with the truth. And when you find that truth, personalize that truth. Write it as your own. And then finally, meditate and memorize the truth. We're going to learn a lesson from a cow and then we're going to end. Psalm chapter 
1, verse 2 and 3. It says, but his delight, the blessed man, the blessed woman, the blessed teenager, the blessed kid, the blessed person, but his delight, her delight, is in the law of the Lord, and on his law, he or she meditates day and night. There it is, meditate. Sounds like regurgitate? Almost. It literally means ruminate. And this is where we get to regurgitate. Years and years and years ago, I learned that this scripture and this word right here actually means ruminate. And it gives us a picture of those animals like the cow that chew cud. I know it's weird and it's disgusting, but it's cool all at the same time. Why do cows have four stomachs? Well, they eat the, the grass or whatever it is they chew on it, they swallow it, and guess what they do? They bring it back up. I know, right? Right before lunch. That's great, Ambrose. I know. They bring it back up. Why do they bring it back up? Because they continue to chew it. Why do they continue to chew it? Because there's still nutrients in the grass. And then they swallow it. And they chew it. And eventually it gets, it gets through the system, right? Right. This is the picture of what God wants us to do with his word. He wants us to memorize it, but he also wants us to meditate on it. He wants us to ruminate on it. He wants us to chew on it. He wants it in our mind. Why? Because he knows that the word of God is living and active. It can judge thoughts and hearts and minds that the Lord God examines the heart and the mind. And in fact... It can reveal those things that we're not aligned with God with, particularly in the areas of lies. When you begin to ruminate on the truth, it transforms your heart and mind, thereby transforming your life by His Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Be a cow. be a cow. This is why it's so important to be in the Word of God on the daily, here on Sunday, being with one another in the Word, life groups, eight-week Bible studies. Just soak it in, man, because God can transform you. So, be a cow chew on the the word of God here are some of those resources again that I would highly encourage you the two on the right winning the war in the mind switch on your brain rewire your anxious brain get out of your head those four in in and of itself I, I would highly encourage you to get into you can get them for very cheap or you can listen to them But other than these resources, I I highly encourage you to soak up the Word of God. I hope that today is the beginning for you. This this is just, and it truly is the tip of the iceberg. Thinking forward, this is just the tip of the iceberg of thinking forward. Renewing your mind and your heart, your anxious thoughts, transforming your behavior because of God doing that in your life. It's just the tip of the iceberg. I knew we weren't going to be able to 
deal with it all. But I highly recommend for some of us, we may need, we may need counseling. I just want to let you know that's okay. Actually, that's a very healthy step. Years ago, it was scoffed at in the church. Come on, man. No way. That's healthy. That's really healthy. If you need a resource, we can get you one. We can get you a few, actually, right in our own community that are Bible-believing, faith-based counseling. I highly suggest if you're in there, continue to be in there. Begin to take some of these steps in your life because lies, whether you've told them to you, somebody else has told them to you, they can really, really wreak havoc in your world. Sometimes we need other people to come alongside us to ask us those questions and get us to process. So, would you please stand just for a moment? Father, I pray for your folks here and I pray for myself because we're all susceptible We're all susceptible to believing things that are lies that, as if they were true. We're all susceptible to falling into falsehoods and deceptions. Above all else, the heart is deceitful. But Lord, it's you that examines the heart and the mind. And you're the one that actually challenges us to guard our heart above all else. And it's you who is the God of peace that does guard our hearts and our minds. I praise you for that. Father, today, if there's any unrest, listlessness, languishing in our minds because of lies, I ask that you bring those lies to light. Reveal them. And may we do more than acknowledge it. May we be active and intentional to demolish it. Lord, make us hungry for your word, for your truth. Father, will you begin to transform us by that very truth? Jesus, I love you. I thank you that you are the word and you were in the beginning and you are in the present and you're already in the future I thank you that you are the author of life and by your truth we have life that you are the way the truth and the life I thank you Jesus Lord empower us by your spirit do a mighty work in our lives. And thereby, may we be doing a mighty work on behalf of you and your kingdom. I love you. We love you today. It's in your name, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Folks, we love you. Thank you for taking the risk. Thank you for being here.
love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please, please, please love your neighbor as yourself. Have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.